and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Rob Parsons, the Yorkshire Post political editor, and it's now uh, not long after 8am on Friday morning, the 2nd of July, and we just had a night of by-election drama in West Yorkshire. Uh, the raw result is that uh, Labour have held on to Batley and Spen, a seat that they've held since 1997, but I don't think that really gets across the full uh, comings and goings and the drama of the, the last week, the last few weeks that we've seen in West Yorkshire. Uh, Kim Ledbeater, the sister, of course, of murdered MP Joe Cox, um, held on to the seat with a majority of just 323 down from the uh, majority of uh, more than 3,500 that the party had in 2019 to uh, win a victory against the odds, literally against the odds, uh, over the Conservatives and their candidate, uh, Ryan Stevenson, with George Galloway, the former Bradford MP, a major factor as well. So to talk about this, um, we, we can talk to the Yorkshire Post's new Westminster correspondent as of this week, uh, Caitlin Doherty, who has been at the Counts all night and in Batley and Spen for a large part of this week. Caitlin, how, how are you doing today? Um, I'm quite tired, but, you know, it's... It's been an interesting week. It's been a week that has swung from one side to the other in terms of, you know, parties' expectations, people predicting, people wondering what might happen. Yeah, I mean, it was um, as late as yesterday, if you're looking at the bookmakers' odds, I think Ryan Stevenson, who is a uh, local councillor in Leeds, was uh, an odds-on favourite, I think like seven to one on, and Kim Ledbeater was... Uh, way out at uh, seven to two against. I mean, obviously, the, you, know, you can only take so much from the the bookies' odds. But it, it, the impression that I get is that uh, you know, in the last day or two and overnight, it became apparent uh, that it was going to be a lot closer than people had had previously expected. Uh, yeah, a lot of people that I'd spoken to, um, people were keeping their cards close to their chest. So conservative figures that I'd spoken to didn't want to call it either way. Some Labour figures um, didn't want to call it either way. Um, you know, Kim herself has always, every time that I've met her over the last few days, has been really upbeat and really optimistic about it. Um, but some people maybe more quietly were expecting this to be a Conservative win. And it was just going to be a matter of, you know, how many votes by? Was it going to be in the hundreds? Was it going to be in the thousands? Was it potentially going to be even more than that? Um, yeah, so I think those views did change quite dramatically, even, even, well, it's Friday morning, so yesterday night in the early hours of this morning, um, yeah, even right through until the early hours, players on both sides were keeping their cards very, very close to their chest, and, you know, some people in Labour were still expecting that Conservative win. I think it's come as quite a shock to a lot of people on all ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and you, you were you were tweeting to me or, or messaging to me earlier that you thought perhaps you'd got a sense that Labour were going to win when you saw something that uh, Brendan Cox, uh, Joe Cox's uh, widower, tweeted uh, not long before the result. What 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 happened there? Yeah, so um, the candidates and their staff got called to the back of the um, voting hall, as you do in an election, um, to be given the result. Uh, privately ahead of time and to also you know raise any issues that they may have with the numbers um from that we had what was then called a bundle count 
um, which seems to be a checking of um, the ballot, not a full recount, but a checking of the ballot papers. Um, there was some toing and froing, and it was starting to be suggested that it was the Conservatives that had um, requested that bundle count. Um, so, you know, there were murmurings going around The you know, oh, have, have Labour done it? Have Labour managed to hold it? Um, but I think in my mind, um, the moment I thought to myself, Labour have managed to hold this was when Brendan Cox tweeted um, just more in common with a little X on the end, a little kiss. Um, and obviously reminiscent of Joe Cox's maiden speech in Parliament, um, the iconic line of people having more in common than that which divides them. And I think at that moment in my head, I thought, yeah, this this is going Labour's way. And that was probably about 10 minutes before we got the official result on the stage. And I think for a lot of other people in the count in, upstairs in the media, when they saw that tweet, I liked, I think other people probably felt that same way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Kim's uh, speech, which was delivered about uh, six a.m., she she spoke about you know the divisive uh, nature of, um, of of some of the campaigning and the fact that you know she'd had to uh, she thanked the West Yorkshire Police and said she'd had to rely on them a bit more than she she uh, thought she might. And and so I mean it has been a acrimonious campaign. I think it's fair to say. I mean what have been some of the big flashpoints that have sort of cropped up in the last, uh, particularly in the last week or two? Um, I think one was probably um, the video that emerged of Kim Ledbetter being questioned. Um, that video went viral of, you know, some people said it's it, her being harassed in, in the street by people with cameras filming her, shouting questions at her. Um, and then maybe only a day or two later, um, there were allegations from the Labour campaign that their, some of their campaigners had been um, verbally assaulted and physically assaulted whilst whilst they were out and about campaigning. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that was the moment where it got really, um, really nasty. I mean, people are sort of speculating now on, on, on Twitter and there's a lot of comment and pundits and politicians are holding forth about the reasons for this, uh, for Labour being able to hold on. And obviously when the margin of victory is only 300 votes and a few dozen could swing it either way, I guess there's a host of factors that could be at play and, you know, people talking about um, the, the Matt Hancock video and his resignation over the weekend and, you know, the, the, the video of, of Kim that you, you just referred to, a whole host of other other factors. I mean, wh- what sense did you get of sort of the main things that were driving sort of voting intention in the in, in the run up to the to the poll? I think one thing that really cannot be overlooked here is the role of Kim as a local candidate. Um, you know, she lives in the constituency, she was eligible to vote in the constituency. Um, and when I saw her in Burstall on Monday alongside the Shadow Home Secretary, Nick Thomas-Simmons, the point was made to me that they were struggling to knock on a door where somebody didn't know Kim. Either um, they somebody she went to school with, it was somebody that she had taught in her fitness and aerobics classes, um, it was somebody who knew her parents. You know, um, Kim and her family have been um, in the constituency for a very long time and she is really well known. So 
as much as people may have been voting for the Labour Party, I think a lot of people will have been voting for Kim Leadbeater as as a candidate. Um, and I think that's something that really played to Labour's advantage here, especially when some of the other candidates were not local in the same way. She's um, a very interesting candidate, Kim Leadbeater, because I uh, interviewed her in my previous guise as crime correspondent for the Yorkshire Post uh, in 2017. So it's one of the first interviews that she did after uh, after her sister died. And she's you know extremely candid person, very engaging. And she even gave me a hug after the interview, which is not something you tend to get from most, uh, uh, most interviews you do as a, a crime correspondent. And she said how she wasn't, you know, by instinct, a political person. And that, you know, at, at the time after Joe died, she had, uh, people had tried to persuade her to, uh, to stand to succeed her at that time. And she had considered it, but she didn't think she was in the right place to do it. But I guess, you know, four or five years down, down the line, the context is very, uh, is, is very different. And, you know, she has held on to the seat, which is great news for, for the Labour Party. And we're um, expecting, I think, uh, be, be surprising if uh, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer doesn't come up to the patch at some point um, in, uh, in in the near future to sort of uh, mark mark the occasion. I mean, how how big a deal is this for Labour? You know, na- nationally, they've sort of arrested the slide, haven't they? They sort of turned the narrative on its head a bit that that was sort of uh, prevalent after the Hartlepool. Uh, the Hartlepool loss that you know Labour is on an inexorable slide. I think the expectation is that this will have taken a quite a considerable amount of pressure off the leadership. Um, I mean, Batley and Spen has been Labour since 1997, so nearly a quarter of a century. You know, much like Hartlepool had been a seat for even longer than that. I think the thought of Labour having lost another um, really long-held seat would have caused some problems for um, Sir Keir Starmer potentially. Um, So I think they will be grateful that that pressure has maybe released slightly, at least for the short term. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, we'll hear more from uh, Sir Keir and, you know, the the politicians on the Tory side, I'm sure, in the in the coming days. Um, Well, it's been a a pretty intense first week for you, Caitlin. This time last week, you were at Press Association as one of their political team. And now you've been plunged uh, feet first into uh, in, into Yorkshire Yorkshire politics. I know you've been writing about uh, the future of rural Yorkshire as well. So it's been a very Yorkshire Post uh, first first week for you. Uh, how how have you how have you found it all? Um, a crash course, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. Um, a crash course in two very very sort of different but similarly important parts of Yorkshire politics. You know, we've got these swing seats, seats that are changing hands potentially between Labour and the Conservatives and back again. And, you know, what role is that playing in those parties' national pictures? And then similarly, an issue that is really important to people who live in Yorkshire and readers of the Yorkshire Post. You know, it's been an absolute microcosm of both the regional and then the national at the same time brilliant representations of both of those issues fantastic stuff well uh we'll we'll have lots more time to speak about that uh next week on the on the podcast and once you've had a bit of a time to get some rest 
and uh, and enjoy your weekend. So, uh, Caitlin Doherty is our Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. You'll be hearing a lot more from her in the coming weeks. Um, that's it from us for this week. We'll we'll see you next time. But if you uh, enjoy our podcast, do leave us a review or listen on whatever uh, service you get your podcasts on, and we will see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye.